Hi, you're listening to the RVC Podcast, a ministry of River Valley Church in Fresno, California. Well, good morning, guys. Great to see you all. Great to see you all, everybody, especially my front row people. Hey, if you want to turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, we're looking at verse 13, 14, and 15 this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, 14, and 15, and we will get after it in God's word this morning. You know, two weeks back, we looked at John's message to these Christians and, uh, who had been shaken by some false teaching. In fact, John really is just writing this letter to bring some correction to some of the things that they had heard, uh, as well as to give them some assurance He uses this word to know 39 times in this little five-chapter letter so that that they as believers would know something uh, deeply, intimately, and have assurance about it. You know, John made it clear. We talked in chapter 5, verse 6 through 13, two weeks back. John wanted them to know two things. Number one, Jesus is God. And number two, through Jesus, we have eternal life. Jesus is God, and through faith in Jesus Christ, we have eternal life. And so, verse 13, again, John says this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the third reason why John wrote this letter. Chapter 1, verse 4, he said, I write these things to you so that your joy would be full, your joy would be complete. Think about that. That God desires that you and I would have an inward joy that would be based on a fellowship with him, connection to him, that is despite the circumstances that you might be going through, difficulty, trials, and whatnot, there's an inner joy, there's an inner peace that belongs to a Christian simply because you and I are in fellowship with him and we're walking with him. A second reason, John says in chapter 2, verse 1, I write these things to you so that you may not sin. So John says, I want you to have freedom in your life. Of course, he lets us know over and over and over that it's through the blood of Jesus that a Christian can experience forgiveness when we blow it, when we mess up, when we stumble, and when we fall. But it's freedom that God wants us to have. So joy, freedom from sin, and the third and final was that you might have assurance, that you know you have eternal life. So John says that that you could experience that knowledge to think through that when you take your last breath on this planet, that you have assurance based on what Jesus Christ has done and your simple faith in him, that you will transition from this life, this body gets laid in a grave, and you have a new body in the heavens with God forever for all eternity. I think about that old hymn, uh, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. To Think about that, that you can walk around throughout your life without doubts about where you are with Jesus, where you are with God. So John says, uh, that third reason I want you to have assurance. Is it based on what? Is it based on Gordon's perfect record of keeping God's law or your ability to be good or our ability to stay on the straight and narrow? No, he makes it clear it's through faith in the name of the Son of God. John says in chapter 4, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. This letter was written for Christians so that Christians would have assurance The Gospel of John, by the way, just as something for you to know, was written for non-believers. He tells us the reason for the writing of the Gospel of John was that so that you might believe in the name of the Son of God and believing in His name, you might have life through Him. So if you have anybody in your life that is questioning 
uh, faith, wondering what God is about, man, give them the Gospel of John and have them read it through and watch how God's Holy Spirit leads them to a place of either believing and receiving that truth or rejecting it. So throughout this letter, though, John is again writing to Christians, giving them assurance, sharing things that are truth about, you know, true about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he did, what it means to have a genuine faith in him. Uh, throughout the letter, he, John gives the criteria uh, of what it means to be a true follower of God. And so this, this idea of doctrinal tests that come, this is who Jesus is, this is what it means to believe in him. Uh, a moral test, if you're truly a believer, then your life will begin to live out that faith in, a, in an outward kind of way. Uh, oftentimes John will use the phrase, if we say or if we claim we have fellowship with him, but yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not pro- practice the truth. And then there's a social test. How do you treat other people? These false teachers were coming through, and John says their doctrine is bogus, their lives are a mess, they're not living for God, and they don't love other people. The social test that how you treat other human beings is a sign of where you are. So they could sort of look at these criteria and these tests and go, yeah, man, God is in my life. I'm being changed by him. And that last one big is love, having love. And so John says, gang, this is what you can know, chapter 5. Jesus is God. Jesus gives eternal life. And because you've believed in him, you have that eternal life. But now he adds some, something amazing. There's something else you and I could know. We can know that God answers prayer. In verse 14 and 15, John says this, And this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Think about that. John says, I want you to know Jesus is God. Your faith is in uh, that truth. I want you to know that you have eternal life. And I want you to know that God answers prayers. And when you ask anything according to his will, God listens and hears. And if we know that he listens and hears the things that we've made requests for, we have assurance that God is going to make those things come to pass. The God who saves us, in essence, is the same God who invites us to rely on him in prayer. So John uses this term, confidence. It's the fourth time he's, it's the fourth time he's used this word, confidence. At other times, it was confidence before his appearing. Here he uses it in, in light of the idea of our life on earth. I have confidence that God is inviting me into his presence and I can ask anything according to his will and the confidence that I know that he's going to actually answer that prayer. That word literally means to have assurance. It means to have boldness. It also means to be, to be free and freely enter into God's presence. I want you to think about your own life of prayer. I want you to think about the things that you've been asking God to do in your life over the last 12 months. I want you to think about the prayers that you've even prayed even this week or even yesterday or even this morning. And I want to know, do do you and I experience that kind of confidence or do we go reluctantly before God because we kind of think that we might be bothering him? I wonder how our lives would actually be different, how this church would be different if you and I actually looked at this text and said, This is what John says, I want you to know this. I want you to have confidence in this. Uh, The writer of Hebrews tells us in chapter 4, verse 16, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Read that with me. So let us come what? Boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it 
most. You know, some of us have grown up with like false messages that are not in the Bible. Things that people just sort of make up, right? Uh, people have used this, you know, to make their kids clean their room. You know, cleanliness is next to what? Godliness. Like, that might be like a plaque in your grandma's house, but it ain't in the Bible, okay? <laughs> uh, something else that's not in the Bible. God helps those who what? You know what? That's not in the Bible either. We should, you know, we're going to do a whole message on things not in the Bible, but we think are in the Bible. God is a Republican, not in the Bible. <laughs> Ain't a Democrat either, I'll just say that, but let's keep moving on. Boldness before the throne of our gracious God. Confidence. God helps those who ask for help. God, asks, or God helps those who come before him and believe that he wants to help them. Those are the ones who receive his help. I love how Eugene Peterson, how he interpreted this passage in his, his book, The Message. He says this about what John says. My purpose in writing is simply this, that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal life, the reality, not the illusion, and how bold and free we then become in his presence, freely asking according to his will, sure that he's listening, and if we're confident that he's listening, we know that we have what we asked for, for, or asked for is good as ours. Do you come before God with that kind of confidence? Do you have that kind of assurance when you stand before him and you pray as you're driving your car or you're with your kids or you're laying down and in the middle of the night you can't sleep? Do you have that kind of confidence? This is, this is what we should be confident of. Number one, we should be confident to enter his presence and ask. We should be confident to enter his presence and ask. He said this is the confidence that we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will. First and foremost, when you go before God in prayer, have confidence that he's invited you and you're welcome in his presence. Knowing that we are saved, knowing we are loved, knowing we are his children, all things that John has affirmed in his letter to these Christians, he says you can have confidence to come and ask. And I love this term, anything. It sort of opens the door wide, doesn't it? I think that a lot of times we think, you know, there's sort of a pecking order of like what you should approach God for, what you should ask God to do. Uh, as, as, as if there's things that are, um, you know, going to be like, you know, the angels and God, like, what? Are you kidding me? You're asking me for that? That's what you want? I can't believe you bring such a stupid request. Who's, a, who's asked the Lord to open up a, 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 a stall at the mall before? Anyone? Okay. So have I. And it was so awesome when this angel came and moved this car right out of the way for me so I could just pull right in. No, that hasn't happened yet. Let me ask you this. What touches your life? What concerns your life? What creates anxious thoughts in your life? Your kids? Your future? A scenario going on in your life? Uh, what are your hopes? What are you wanting God to do to open doors in your life? We, we're to come with confidence. And we're to ask that anything uh, category... Because he loves you, and because he loves me, and he calls us his children, and he invites us to come and ask him to work in our lives. 
Prayer is how we connect with God. And it comes in many forms. We've been worshiping this morning. We're going to continue to worship after our message. And, and praise is one of those ways that we connect to God. We are praising Him, right? When we uh, give Him glory and we sing songs and lift up our voices. Praise, worship, thanksgiving is a form of prayer. But certainly petition. Bringing and asking God, requesting of Him and His assistance in our life. Confidence, we come before him. It's really this description of to come freely with boldness and freedom. Not because we've earned our way, but because Jesus has made a way. Jesus has taken my sins and your sins, and he's opened the way to, for us to come before God. So when you approach God in prayer, don't think of God as this reluctant God, this distant God, this bothered God, but a loving God and a loving Father. We've been accepted by him. We've been adopted by him. John has already told us that his love for us is another kind of world love when he tells us in chapter 3, behold what kind of love the Father has for us that we should be called the children of God. It's, it's, a, it's a word, this, the same word that the disciples said, what manner of person is this that the wind and the waves obey him? It was like, this isn't earthly, this kind of power that this man Jesus has. And John uses the same word. This is a different kind of love. This is a love that no human being has ever known or experienced. That sinners like us would not only be loved by this benevolent God, but would be adopted into his family. And that we should be called the sons and daughters of Almighty God. So when we go before him, it's we're going before our loving father. Just like a child would approach a loving parent with confidence and complete reliance. Jesus gave us examples like that. He said, which one of you fathers, if his son asked for a fish, would give him a snake? Or if he asked for a piece of bread, would give him a rock? I mean, occasionally maybe there's that dad, like, oh, watch this, honey. It's going to be really funny. Right? And take a bite. Boom. Call the dentist. He said, if you being evil... He acknowledges that you and I have a sinful life that isn't always benevolent towards those that we love. He says, but if you being evil know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father? Does it change the framework of prayer for you? That you can come with confidence before him and that you can ask anything according to his will? Does anybody struggle with prayer, by the way? Who struggles with praying? Let's just get real, man. Like, this is my job to be ready on Sunday morning. <laughs> and, and it's like, man, why is prayer such a struggle? It's, it's like you're so, so difficult to get there in prayer. But man, when you're there with God and you're talking with him, it just becomes the greatest source of strength and comfort in your day. It becomes the best part of your day when you spend time with him like that. It's difficult to do. Everyone struggles with finding time to pray and making that a, a priority in their life. Because prayer is a discipline. And it's just like any other thing. You know, there was a study years back where they actually like um, mic'd up a child, like a kid in, in a household. And I think the amount of interaction, like direct interaction with a, with a child and the father was like less than two minutes a day. And I don't mean like not direction, like, hey, I'll go brush your teeth. Or, you know, hey, make your bed. Or get your homework done. You know, that kind of stuff. It was like direct interaction. What's going on in your life? What's happening in your life? You're like, dang, some kids got two minutes with their dad? How about married people? I don't want to get anyone in trouble. We're all a little cranky, right? Because we had one hour less sleep. 
But when I have the privilege of meeting people who are married and been married for several years, yes, hey, how is, how is your, like, are you guys connecting, right? And you go, man, and then, you know, like, this is a great way to get a guy in trouble. Hey, how many times have you taken your wife out on a date this last month, this last quarter, this last year? You're like, could you keep going farther back? How about this last five years? I remember this one time. Intentionality. The most important things in your life, you and I have to be intentional, right? To build relationship with our kids, to build relationship with our spouses, to actually have genuine friendships that mean something and, and are a support system to us. You've got to put forth that effort. Well, that's the way it is with God. To come before him with that kind of confidence to ask and to know that he hears is, is something that you've got to develop as a part of your life. Let, let me just say this. You who are married here today, you are as close to your spouse as you choose to be right now. And all of us here this morning, every one of us is as close to God as we actually truly want to be. Like it's, all, it's not as if God's going like, hey, I got a lot going on in the Middle East. I don't know if you've been watching CNN. You're like, I don't watch CNN. I watch Fox News. God is always 24-7 access available to you because you are his son or daughter. Confidence to come before him. Prayer takes effort. We see different concepts of praying. Jesus, it says in Mark's gospel, chapter 1, it was actually after the busiest recorded day of Jesus' life. Previous day, the most information we have about what he did in one single day. It says the next morning before, before the uh, sun came up. I was like, oh, it must have just time changed for him too. Before the sun came up, he says he found a quiet place to pray to the Father. So how does prayer work in your life? Well, you some of prayer needs to take place in some quiet moments in your life. It might be the bathroom. It's the only place you could be without some kid pulling on you and stuff. It might be in your car. It might be at lunch out at a picnic table at your place of, of employment. It might be out on a walk in the morning or at night. It's the fact that you set aside some quiet time to spend alone with God and get have that intimate time with Him. But we also see uh, in, in the Bible that it's also when you're at work. Nehemiah is an example of that. Nehemiah was all bummed out. He'd heard some bad reports about uh, his, his nation, Israel. Nehemiah was uh, like a, a, he was a, a big time like ruler in a, in a foreign country. And he went before the, his boss and the boss is like, King's like, what's up with you? You, <clears throat> you look a little bummed out. He said, well, why wouldn't I be bummed out? Like the walls of Jerusalem are still broken down. And he says, well, what do you want me to do? And it says, Nehemiah says, I prayed to the God of heaven. And then he looked at the king and he said, well, here's what I want. I want a caravan. I want some stuff. I'm going to go help build. I need, I need a time out from work. I need to go help build these walls up. I love that. It didn't say, and Nehemiah went away for 45 minutes to have quiet time with God. It's at work. What do you need? Lord, would you like hook my boss up right now to understand what I need? And then you tell him. So you just, you can talk to God at work. When you're driving your car, when you're with your friends, when you are laying down in the middle of the night and you can't go to sleep, you can talk with God and you can spend time with him and you can go with confidence. I love Shark Tank. Is anyone addicted to that show? Like I, I'm like over The Bachelor. I'm all into Shark Tank now. I just want you to know your prayers have been answered, okay? I haven't, I don't even know how long it's been since I watched Tammy watch The Bachelor. 
I love that show. And it's, it's just cool to see people with dreams and, you know what I mean, coming before them. And it's like, man, I got this idea. And, you know, there's like, they get investments. But a lot of times they ask, what do you need us for? It's like, I need your connections. I need, I need you to go to those big guys in the big box stores because you can open doors for me. And I always think, man, you had to give up 20% to get that. Pick up the phone yourself, right? Think about this. You have access to the creator of the universe. You have 24-7 access to him, and he says, come boldly. Come with confidence that you would bring your request before me. James tells us something very interesting about prayer. I was telling our, our setup crew earlier this morning. I wonder how much you and I go without in this life simply because we have failed to ask God. James says, you have not because what? You ask not. There's something that God wants to do in your life and in my life. And I wonder if it's because of our lack of asking. You might say, well, if God already knows he wants to do that in my life, why doesn't he just go ahead and do that? Because you were made for relationship. God wants your time. Because that's the greatest, sort, that's the greatest thing that will be a part of your life. Your, your relationship with him. All the answer prayers just become secondary to that fact that you are walking with God as your heavenly father. And then he says, guys, we can have confidence that he hears us when we pray according to his will. The expectation is that he hears and he's listening. And again, it's according to his will. See, that's the key right there. When people say like, oh, I just want to tell God, I want this, I want this, I want this. And, and John says very clearly, and it's confirmed in other parts of scripture, is that God wants to bless you when you ask for things that are according to his will. Now, God's will should not be scary to us. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to pray for God's will. He's going to send me to Africa. I'm going to have to eat bugs and sticks. He's going to make me be a missionary, right? Listen, if God sends you to Africa, you'll be the happiest bug-eating, stick-eating Christian on this planet because it's exactly what, what Paul says in Romans 12. God's will is good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. Why would you and I not want a God who sees the beginning from the end, knows exactly what we need, why would we not want him to actually be the one that opens the doors and shuts the doors in our life? Has anybody prayed for something and then a year, two, ten years later, you realize, oh, I'm so grateful that God was not a genie that just granted that wish. Because you're like, man, that would have been a very miserable spot to be in in life. Is that, what's that country song? Thank God for what? Unanswered prayers. Listen to some Christian music every once in a while, you guys. <laughs> God is all-knowing. He loves us. He's good. He knows what will be good for us and what will harm us. He knows what we need. We learn that in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verse 8. Don't be like them, Jesus tells. He says, don't be like the Gentiles who go before God and they pray all these words and they repeat their words over and over and over because they think that God's going to actually hear them. He says, don't be like them. He says, for your father knows what you need before you ask. A true follower of Jesus will want God's will. Jesus tells us in John 15, verse 7, But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask anything you want and it will be granted. How do we know God's will? How do we know what God wants? By being a, a man or a woman that studies God's word. 
And you'll read through this text and you'll read through God's word and you'll go, wow, that's something that God wants to instill in me. This attitude of, of patience and love. And, or, or you'll read God's word and realize, boy, this is, I'm learning principles of the kinds of things that God wants in my life. God will never, uh, it'll never be God's will for your life and you to pray about something that contradicts something in God's word. And so you find and discover in God's word, and if you and I are not abiding in his word, we don't have that promise that we can ask anything and it will be granted to us. So you learn it from God's word. You also learn it from just being a mature Christian. As you just kind of move on in life, you just begin to learn principles from, from God's word that, that, that give you discernment. Like, hey, that's, that's maybe not the best thing. My insurance company just sent me, they sent us a little uh, birthday card. Actually, it was for my wife. Her birthday's this month. And I took your scratcher, babe. I'm sorry about that. I would have shared half that money with you if it had won something. But they, they, they give us like a little scratcher last year. I won two bucks from that thing. And I was like, oh, thank you, Gaspar. This is great. Scratch it off, nothing. Gave them, what, five grand last year? That's all I got? I had one little scratcher? Have you ever gotten something like that? The reason why I say they sent it to me, because I don't want you to think that I go and get scratchers and then pray over them. But if one happens to be in my possession, yeah, I might pray. <laughs> Do you know what would be the destruction of Gordon Hall winning like a billion dollars? I mean, it'd be like, hey, RBC, guess what? We're all moving to Hawaii. <laughs> Who's with me, right? <laughs> Donuts would be covered in gold. I'm just kidding. <laughs> According to his will. Can I just, can I encourage you? Like, be okay with God's will. It's the best part. It'll be the best part of your life. We learn his, his will from his word. We abide in his word. That's where we align our hearts with our request, with his, his heart. And, and, and have you ever, like, listened to your kids? Your kids said something, you're like, uh, I don't think I heard that, did I? Like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the stomach if you don't let me. You're like, uh, did I think I just heard? I, I didn't hear that, did I? It's almost like God's like, no, did I really hear that request? He's such a good father. He hears the ones. He hears everything, but he hears the ones and responds to the ones that are according to his will because that's what's best for us.